Well, it is so good to see so many of you back physically on our campuses. There's nothing, nothing like gathering together on a campus. Would you agree with that? It's just so, so good to be here together. Um, and if, if you've been joining online and you've been, been wondering, it's, maybe it's time to, time to come, come back. Hey, before I get into the message, I wanna talk to parents for just a minute, especially if you're a parent that has a fourth grader all the way up through a high schooler. Uh, I wanna tell you there's no better investment you can make in your kids and students that will be more life-changing this summer than sending them to one of our CCV camps, period. All right, we, we have uh, camps going on for, for a bunch of age groups. Our fourth through sixth grade camp will be held locally um, here in Phoenix. It's only $100, and it's gonna be a crazy fun adventure for those, those kids. Uh, we have our special needs camp in the middle of June for kids and adults with special needs. That will be maybe one of the most inspiring things we do all summer long. We have our junior high camp that's gonna be held up in Prescott. It's gonna be an adventure that your uh, junior hires will talk about for the rest of their lives and then our high school camp will be held here locally in Phoenix, and we're gonna throw the biggest party, good party, okay, that your, uh, your high schoolers have ever been a part of. We're actually gonna take over our city, all right? We've rented out all three top golf locations. We've rented out Hurricane Harbor completely just for our high school students, and it is gonna be life-changing. It's only $100, the lowest price point we've ever had, and here's why we're doing that. You need to know we, we, don't, we don't receive or benefit $1 from camps. In fact, we underwrite financially a majority of our camps. Why? Because we really believe that when you can have a, a, a child or student that has a concentrated dose of Jesus, away from the distractions of technology and their phones and TV, they get a concentrated dose of Jesus combined with a mix of fun. The result is a generation that gets on fire for Jesus. And that's what we're about as a church. So this summer is gonna be incredible. And I, I just wanna tell you parents for just a minute, you have no excuse to not get your kids signed up for camp. So let's go, let's go, all right? Okay, that's, that's camp. We're gonna continue our series, Big Questions. And um, it, was, it was about 10 years ago that my wife and I were sitting in our living room and we had about 15 people gathered in our living room and we were meeting with our CCV small group. And we've always been a part of a group, we think they're, they're life-changing and in this group was a brand new couple that had just started coming to CCV, they joined our group, they'd only been in our group for about three weeks and they were just exploring who Jesus was and we, I mean, I just love this couple because they were so raw and they were so honest with their questions and I love that. And, by the way, you don't have to know anything about Jesus, the Bible, or whatever to join a small group. That's the best way to get plugged in and learn more. And this couple was just learning. And this one group, um, as the group was kind of coming to a close, this couple asked, uh, came up to me and said, hey, would you mind if we stuck around after group and talked to you and Jamie about a question we have? And I looked at him and I was like, it's getting late. Like, you need to get out of my house, all right? Um, you know, so <laughs> Of course I didn't say that. I said, of course you stick around. We'd love to talk to you. And so everyone kind of filtered out and we sat down on the couch and I, I still like can picture it like it was yesterday. They, they just looked right into our eyes and they just said, there's, there's a question that's been bothering us. Do you really believe that Jesus is the only way to God? Isn't that a great question? You, you, ever, you ever struggle with that question yourself, maybe? 
I mean, I know in, in, in my faith journey, right, there's a time that I kind of struggle with that. And I love that they got to ask that question in the context of a small group because that's just a transformational environment to have those com- conversations. But I think many people struggle with that question or maybe you've even struggled with how to answer that question when someone's addressed it to you. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna hit that question head on because I think so many people have gotten stuck in their faith based on that question. So what we're gonna do today is I'm gonna take you to several passages in scripture, but I'm gonna primarily look at a passage of scripture in John chapter 14. If you, you, you have a Bible or you use a, your Bible on your app, if you wanna ch- turn to John chapter 14, that's where we'll start today. And the context of this passage of scripture is Jesus is at the tail end of his life. It's his la- the last night of his life. He's getting ready to die. He tells his disciples, I'm gonna be arrested. I'm gonna die. And then he says this in John chapter 14, verse one. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, I, I, would have, I wouldn't have told you that I'm, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. Now, you probably pick up on and we pick up on that Jesus is talking about heaven. My father has many rooms and Jesus says, when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. I'm preparing a place and I want every person on earth to be able to join me in heaven someday. But the disciples aren't getting this at all. In fact, they have no idea what Jesus is talking about. And so what Jesus says next completely confuses them. What he says next is this. He says, you know the way. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And they're thinking, we have no idea, right? Why, because they still thought Jesus was going to be an earthly king. They hadn't really realized yet that he truly was God's son that came to die for them and offer forgiveness, and so that he, when he sits at the right hand of God, he can offer forgiveness and make them reconciled with God. They don't, they don't, they don't get this, they still think he's gonna be here on earth as a king. Now, that should be encouraging for some of us because you know, these guys were with Jesus for three years every single day and they still got confused and they still had questions. And if you get confused and you have questions in your faith, listen, God wants you to bring your questions to him, right? So the disciples are confused and one of them finally raises their hand and is like, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. It's Thomas. We, we call him Doubting Thomas today because he had all sorts of doubts and questions. And so Doubting Thomas pipes up in the very next verse and he says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how on earth would we know the way? And what Jesus says next, you, ju- you just have to let the weight of this verse sink into your heart and soul today. They said, we don't know the way, Jesus. And what Jesus says next is this. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now please understand, Jesus does not say, I am a way. He did not say, I am one of the ways. He said what? I am the way. Peter, later on, repeats the words of Jesus in his own words in Acts chapter four, and he says this, there is salvation, in other words, reconciliation with God. There's there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There's, There's no other name. Now, 
If you ever wondered, is Jesus the only way, just, just hear it from Jesus' mouth. Okay, not, don't hear it from me. This is from Jesus. Jesus said, I am the only way. Now, the problem with that for many of us is we don't, we don't doubt that Jesus existed here on earth. We don't, we don't even doubt that Jesus maybe had some good moral things to say, but many people struggle with Jesus being the only way. I mean, is that true? Or maybe what Oprah said is true. I mean, Oprah has propagated thoughts that's, that's you know, permeated throughout our culture today. And she said, you know, you know how you can picture God? God's at the center of a wheel and there's many spokes coming off this wheel and all the spokes are different religions and thoughts and they all lead to the same God. Maybe that's true. But please hear me. <laughs> Jesus said that is absolutely not true. There's only one way. And the problem is many of us struggle with that. And so I'm gonna talk about the struggle today and just get real with us, okay? Because what we know today is we live in a world that one of the highest ideals in our world today is pluralistic thinking and tolerance. And when we hear something like Jesus say, I'm the only way, can, can I just throw it on the table for us? This is what many of us feel, we think this. Jesus' claim to be the only way seems exclusive, it seems intolerant, and it seems unfair. So I wanna hit each of these head on today and just have us really, really think deeply about each of these, is that true? Let's, let's start right at the top, I hope you're taking notes today. Jesus' claim seems exclusive. I love what J. Herbert Cain said this. Um, he said this, it's safe to say the most offensive aspect of 20th century Christianity is its exclusiveness. Have you ever, you ever thought that? Like maybe this is an exclusive claim, it's so exclusive. If you've ever thought that, I, I wanna challenge your thinking today. I wanna tell you that maybe you've been misinformed about the exclusivity of Christianity. The truth, the truth I would argue and ask you to be open-minded today is this. Christianity is the least complicated and most inclusive of any religion, period. Now I hate calling Christianity a religion. I'll tell you why in just a moment. But I want you to know it is unbelievably inclusive. But all you have to do, and you can go do this yourself, is just go study the major religions. I have, and you study any major religion today, I don't care what it is, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Mormonism, even atheism, every single one makes exclusive claims. Everyone, I'll give you an example. Islam, the first pillar of Islam is there is one God, Allah, and his prophet, Muhammad. And if you don't agree with that, listen, that exclusive claim, you're wrong. Even atheism makes exclusive claims. Atheism claims there is no God. I mean, you're smart enough to understand that is an exclusive claim, right? Even agnostics make exclusive claims. Agnosticism claims that no one can know. No one can know. That's an exclusive claim. Now, you're rational, you're smart, you know that there cannot be multiple exclusive claims that all contradict each other and all of them be true. Like, you understand that, right? It's, it's kind of like the little girl who went to her mom and she was asking her mom, mom, where did the first humans come from ever like in, on planet Earth? Like how did humans come about? And her mom said, well honey, you know, God created Adam and Eve and then Adam and Eve have, had kids and, and that's where the first humans came from. And she was like, okay, all right. 
And the next day she was still curious and she asked her dad, she said, Dad, where do, you, um, where do humans come from? Where did they first come from? And, and her dad said, well, it's very simple, honey. There was a big bang and then, you know, the, through evolutionary process, they became monkeys and apes and then from monkeys, we evolved from monkeys, humans, and that's how, you know, humanity came about. Well, now the girl's all confused and she goes back to her mom and she's kind of a little upset and she says, Mom, how is it possible that you told me we came from God and dad told me we came from monkeys. Her mom just looked back at her daughter, smiled and said, well, honey, daddy was just explaining the origins of his side of the family. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that's funny, but here's the thing. You can't have multiple exclusive truth claims and they all be true, so what is true? You have to determine what's true. And listen, what you decide is one of the most important things you'll ever, ever decide in life because your eternity is determined by it. There may be nothing more important that you decide, and you have to decide what's true. And listen, there can't be multiple truths. It's kind of like mathematics, right? I mean, I hate to do math in church because some of you don't like math, but what is 4,400 divided by 88? Some of you are like, uh, you know, get my calculator out. If you got your calculator out, you can do this. The answer is always, always 50. Now, if you came to me and said, well, uh, I think the answer is 48. I think the answer is 52. I'd be like, well, it's not, okay? It's 50, and I would say, well, show me your work. Like, you remember having to do long, remember having to do like, remember doing this in school? I was like, show me your work, show me the long division. I stunk at this in school, like I was not very great of long division, but isn't it true when you're, when you're doing a math problem that you can be showing your work, isn't it true that you can actually get the wrong answer, but some people come closer to the truth than others? You can still be wrong, but you can be closer to the truth. Please hear this, Christianity does not claim that every aspect of every other religion or worldview is wrong. There's some great moral teaching in, in other worldviews and thoughts. What Christianity claims and what God claims is there is one way to be reconciled and be made right with God, and that is through the person of Jesus, through the person of Jesus and him alone, okay? Is that exclusive? I wanna show you how, to, how it is the most inclusive offer of any religion in the world. Watch this. If you looked at any religion and you go study it for yourself, every other world religion is defined by one word and the foundation of it is the word do. You have to do something, you have to earn your way to God. Every other major religion, study it. Mormonism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, you have to earn and do enough good things and hope, just hope and pray that you did enough good things that when you die, you get to go to heaven. The problem is, how would you ever know? How would you ever know if you're good enough? Because they all differ in what they tell you what to do. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, does God just grade on a curve at the end of your life and like if you just beat out everyone else, you're good? Could you imagine the last day of your life, you're like 50-50, you're on the edge. You have one little blow up with your family. God's like, last day you ruined it, man, sorry. You know. I mean, the idea of you being good enough to being reconciled with God is so counter to everything about who God is. Listen, we have a perfect God, a perfect God, and only perfect people get to be in his presence. 
none of us are perfect. I mean, how could we do enough to, to, to be reconciled with God? And how would you ever know? I mean, that's like, that's like you being a salesman and, you, and your boss comes to you one day and says, hey, um, I'm gonna fire you if you don't meet your sales quota this year. And you're like, okay, well, what's my sales quota? And he says, I'm not gonna tell you. Just get to work doing a lot of good things. I mean, would you ever go to bed at night with peace? Would your head ever hit the pillow with peace? No. And that's where some of you are because you're just trying to earn your way back to God and it's not how it works. Listen, Christianity is 1,000% different. The foundation of everything the Bible teaches in Christianity is one word and it is the word done. That you don't do enough to get to God, God's already done it and he's just asking you to accept him. In other words, God's already paid the price for you to be connected with him through his son Jesus and it's free, it's free. It's offered, it's open to anyone. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For it's by grace, the word grace means unmerited favor. It's by grace that you've been saved. Through faith, not through works. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift of God, not by works, ever. Why? So that no one can boast. No one can say like, look at me. I'm good enough to get into heaven. No, no, no. None of us are good enough, myself included. I'm toast if I'm relying on my good works, okay? I'm toast. All of us have to fall at the feet of the foot of the cross and we rely on the grace and love and forgiveness of a God who gave his only son, Jesus. And listen, that is open to anyone. You don't have to do anything. It's already done. Do you see how inclusive that offer is? It's unbelievable, I mean, imagine two country clubs open in your neighborhood, right next to each other. And one country club posts a sign out front that says, here's all the rules, here's all the things you have to do to enter our country club. And it's a long list. It's gonna take you years to get all that done. The other country club posts a sign out front that says this, everyone's welcome, anyone, male, female, black, white, sinner, saint, rich, poor, Cat lovers, dog lovers, everyone's welcome. Everyone. Which would you say is more exclusive? It's easy. This is every other religion. It's all that you do. There's one religion, Christianity, that says it's done. So listen, Christianity's inclusivity is unmatched, unmatched because it is an offer of salvation that's open to anyone, anywhere, at any time, free of charge, free, which means you don't do anything. Listen to this, somebody needs to hear this. You simply accept someone. You accept a free gift of God, and then once you've accepted that gift, the power of God in you empowers you to be able to live the life that God wants for you, all right? Is it exclusive? I think it's unbelievably inclusive. Let's look at the second um, issue that many of us have. It just, it just seems so... But that offer, like the only way, just seems so intolerant. And, and we live in a culture of, of tolerance. This weekend, uh, I have a cousin visiting me from out of town. He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, and my family roots are all in Oklahoma and Missouri. We have big roots there and we love them. And he's come to visit and he's never been to Phoenix before, ever. And he and his wife missed here, here and we love them very much. And um, because he's never been here before, I gotta give him directions to my house. Now just picture for a moment that to get to my house, there's only one way into my neighborhood that gets to my house. Just imagine there's only one way. 
would it be intolerant of me to tell him the one way to get to my house? Would he complain? Like, don't give me one way. No, to tell him that way would be the most kind and loving thing I could ever do because listen, otherwise he's driving around lost the rest of his life. God wants you home. He wants you home and somebody here today, you've been lost for so long and God's telling you the way home and him telling you the way is not intolerant. It is the most kind and loving thing he could ever do. In fact, today, I would just tell you that, that you might wanna reorient your thinking a little bit when it comes to God. You know, instead of, instead of questioning there's only one way to God, I think we should be crazy thankful that God even provided a way. I mean, let's be thankful that God provided a way for us to be reconciled with the holy and righteous God. None of us are holy. None of us are perfect. So God sent his son Jesus to bridge the gap that if we would rely on Jesus, we can be forgiven of all of our sins, free of charge. He already went to the cross and paid the price. And God gave his own son the most, the most loving act in human history to give up your own son for us when we didn't even deserve it. So what I tell you today is this. Jesus being the only way to God is only intolerant if it's not true. And if it is true, it is the most loving thing that God has ever done to tell you the way. Just picture for a moment that, for those of you that are parents and you love your kids, just picture for a moment that a doctor comes to you and says, your child has a heart defect and they're gonna die. We've discovered it and we need to operate immediately. And he tells you there's, there's only one solution to your child being healed. Would you push back on that doctor and say, you're intolerant, one solution? Like give me a break, let's do something else. Like let's rub some Vicks Vapor Rub on their heart and see if that fixes it. Like maybe we can take some vitamin C. My mom says, my mom, did anybody else's mom like just every time you got sick, it's like vitamin C, vitamin C. Would you push back on that doctor if he said there's only one way? No, you, in the most loving way possible, you'd want your son or daughter or friend to be healed. And God loves you so much, he just wants you healed. And all of us have this heart condition called sin, and the only way to deal with that sin issue is through the forgiveness offered through God's only son, Jesus. That's not intolerant, it's loving. It's God's love. Let's talk about the third. Let's talk about the third thing, that, that, that God's, Jesus seen, being the only way, that just seems unfair. And I think this is the one that maybe hits most of us the most. Because what many of us think is we think, well that's just crazy unfair because what about all the people that have never heard about Jesus? I mean all throughout history, like what about people that have never heard about Jesus? That's crazy unfair. And to answer this, you need to know three things about God. Please hear me, one is God is good. He's always good. The last song we sang um, in, in the worship set today was, was a song about, we said those words, God, you're good, you're always good. God's not only good, he is loving. He loves every person on this planet. And the third thing you need to know is he will open himself up to be known to every person, every person on the planet, regardless if they have a Bible 
regardless if they've ever heard the name of Jesus, God is seeking after every single person. Can I show you a few verses in scripture that just make this clear? I like 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Some of you, he's been patient for a long time. He's not wanting anyone, watch, that, watch those words. God does not want one single person to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, to a saving knowledge of who he is. In Acts 17, uh, Paul's speaking to a, a, a group of non-believers, they're these, you know, uh, he's in Athens, he's talking to a bunch of philosophers, and he said this, God did this, he did what? He revealed himself, and he's revealing himself so that they, that's everyone, would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him. He wants everyone to find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God isn't far from anyone, no matter who they are on planet Earth today. You remember playing hide and seek? Those of you who played hide and seek, probably most of us played hide and seek as kids. Um, you remember when you're hiding and, and, and someone was, like the person was trying to find you was walking right next to you but they didn't see you and like you could almost reach out and touch them? That's God to every person. He is right there. And when it comes to hide and seek, please hear this. We hide, God seeks. God does not hide himself from anyone ever. God is seeking every person to know who he is and to be reconciled with him. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, for the son of man came to what? Say it out loud with me, say it out loud, what? Came to seek. He came to seek every person on this earth. And you need to know that every person that is open, open to understanding who God is will find him, every person. Let me show you this my favorite verses in all of scripture. In Romans chapter one, verse 19, it says this. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, that is every person on earth, what can be known about God is plain to every person because God has made it plain to them. You're thinking, well, how would he make it plain to them? What if they didn't have a Bible or like a Christian there next to them? How is it plain to them? This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Listen to the depth of this, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. God's not hiding from anybody. He wants everyone to see who he is and to, he's seeking everyone, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What is this verse telling us? Creation, if, you, if, if, if humanity would just open its eyes, if you would just look at creation, you would see a creator. You would see there is a God. You cannot look at our planet today and not see there's a creator. It's obvious. And even our own conscience, our own conscience tells us something's wrong. I mean, you know this. Forget God's standards, even your own standards. Don't you have your own standards and sometimes you don't live up to them and you keep falling short of living up to them? Your own conscience tells you something's wrong and you need a solution. So any person, any person that opens their eyes will find God, anyone. And you would not believe the ways God mysteriously and miraculously can reveal himself to anyone in this world. It's happening all across our world. I'll just give you a few examples. The Muslim world today, it, it, it's miraculous what God is doing. There are thousands, go look it up for yourself, thousands of documented cases of Muslim countries that have no Christians, no one to share the gospel with them, and how are they finding Jesus? 
through dreams and visions. God is revealing himself. He wants to reveal himself to everyone. There was one study that they interviewed 600 Muslims that converted to Christianity. They found 25% of those Muslims, the reason they found Jesus is they found Jesus because they had a dream about Jesus when they didn't even know about Jesus. God is seeking everyone all the time. And sometimes in our Western minds and thinkings, we, we forget how big God is, how much he's seeking everyone. I'll give you two examples, one from scripture, one from our CCV missions team. In scripture, we know that in Acts chapter 10, there's a Roman centurion named Cornelius that is just open to God. He's been praying to God for God to reveal himself to him. Cornelius knew there's gotta be a God and he's just praying to God. What does God do? In Acts chapter 10, God gives Peter a vision and a dream to go visit Cornelius and Peter goes and visits Cornelius' house, walks in, and he shares Jesus with Cornelius and Cornelius and all of his household is, is saved and baptized that day. That's how God moves. Let me tell you a, a story from our, our own missions teams because we, you, you may know at CCV, we take 10% of every dollar that we receive from tithes and offerings and we dedicate 10% to overseas and global and local missions. And we're hearing miraculous stories from our missionaries. I'll tell you one from a missionary we support named Bobby Cox. Bobby attends our North Phoenix campus now but for many years, Bobby and his wife were on the mission field in Muslim countries, and he was in places that no one, no one had heard about Jesus. And he shared this one story where he went to an island where 100% of this island was Muslim. There was not one single Christian, not one single Bible, nothing. And while he was there, within two days of being there, Bobby met a man named Ibrahim, and this is Ibrahim climbing a, a coconut tree. When Bobby met him, he he didn't speak English and Bobby didn't speak the language of that island. They had no way of communicating, but this man just climbed up a tree and, and chopped down some coconuts and gave them to Bobby's kids and, and his kids. And Bobby was so touched, you know, he was trying to communicate, but they had no way of communicating because they didn't understand each other's languages. And through some broken kind of communication, Bobby picked up on that, that this man's, one of his children was sick. And so Bobby pointed to the cross that was on his neck and he just kind of motioned that he was gonna, gonna pray for him and try, try, to, try to help. Well, after that day, Bobby lost contact with Abraham, and he didn't see him for four years. Four years later, they ran into each other, and Abraham walked up to Bobby and said, do you remember me? And Bobby didn't recognize him at first because he looked different, and he said, it's me, it's Abraham, we met. And, and he, now, he now could speak English, and so they began communicating. And the very next day, Abraham told Bobby, he said, Bobby, I've been, I've been having a dream. And I wanna tell you about my dream. In my dream, there's a garden, it's a perfect garden, a perfect place, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And you and your family are in the center of the garden, you're there. And I, I, I kept trying to get into the garden, Bobby, and I, I went to the left and I went to the, the right and I tried to get in every which way and I couldn't get into the garden. He said, then I woke up. And when I woke up, I was so broken and sad because I couldn't get in the garden. Bobby, what does my dream mean? And Bobby's thinking, in Bible college, they didn't teach me dream interpretation. Like, I don't know. So Bobby just kind of on a whim just looked back to Abraham and he said, what do you think it means? And in only the way God can work through dreams and visions, Abraham said, Bobby, I think the garden represents heaven and you know the way there and I don't and I can't get in and I think I'm supposed to ask you what should I do? And Bobby shared Jesus with Abraham and he and his whole entire family 
found Jesus. Do you understand how God is seeking every person on earth? He is. Come on. God does not want one person to not find him. And anyone that is seeking God will find him. He's seeking, he's seeking. But if you've struggled with what about those that that don't know, I wanna talk to you because you know. There's not a person here today that, that has any excuse and that if you died today and you stood before a holy and righteous God, there's not one person here today that can shake a fist at God and say, God, I, I never knew about Jesus. You know about Jesus because you just heard about him right now. And what I want you to know is that God is drawing some of you to him right now. You're not here by accident. You're here because God has been seeking you. He's been patient. And it's time. It's time. What do we have to know today? Listen to the words of Jesus. This came from Jesus, not me. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not exclusive. That is the most inclusive invitation that has ever been offered in human history to everyone, and it's free of charge. You don't do anything, you just accept someone. It's not intolerant. It's loving that God gave up his only son for you. And it's not unfair. God is seeking everyone at all times across our world. So I wanna talk to three groups of people here today. And, and you'll find yourself in one of, these, one of these groups. Number one is there's some of you that are really strong in your faith. And if you're strong in your faith today, and I hope today's message and, and teaching just helps you walk out with more confidence, and I hope that it inspires you to go reach more people for Jesus Christ. Because listen, God's seeking everyone, but he uses us. He uses us to reach others. And in your spheres of influence, whether that's your school, whether that's your workplace, whether that's you know, your neighborhood, I think every single weekend when you come to CCV, a burning question on your heart and mind should be who we bring in with us. Because God wants to use you to reach other people. There's others of you today that you would say, I'm stuck in my faith. I've been stuck in my faith, I've been struggling. And I hope today God gets you off the sidelines and you have more confidence in who he is, his love not only for you, but everyone around you. And maybe today is the day to get back off the sidelines, to get consistent at CCV every single week, to plug in to serve, to get into a group, but you take your next step. But there's a third group of people here today, and, and, and you know who you are. You've never gone all in with Jesus. You've been on the sidelines, and part of it is you've had some big questions for God. And I think today, God's calling someone to finally step over the line and, and finally go all in to follow him, to make a decision to choose to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him, and to get baptized. And if that's you, I can think of no better weekend to do it than right now. After every service, we're having baptisms on every campus, and you can simply walk out to the baptistry. We have a change of clothes for you. We have a towel, and today's your day to finally find peace, find hope, to stop running, stop hiding. When I was a kid, uh, I finally realized when we played hide-and-seek, I finally realized that the goal of hide-and-seek is not to, to stay hidden forever. You remember this? If you were the last one in hide and seek, do you know what you ended up doing eventually? Yoo-hoo. <laughs> You'd make, do you remember this? You'd make noises to be found. If that wasn't the case, I'd still be hidden in my mom's dryer to this day. <laughs> I would. And I just wanna, I wanna tell someone here today, 
It's time to stop hiding. God's seeking you. Raise your hand. It's time to get out from under the darkness and come into the light. And what you need to know is you'll never experience true life until you trust and follow Jesus. And today's your day. And if that's you, I challenge you to leave this service, go straight to the baptistry. You give your life to Jesus and you watch your life change. But for all of us today, the question is, is Jesus the only way to God? And the answer is, he is. He is. And I'm so thankful that God provided a way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. You gave your son to die for us. That's the most loving thing you've ever done. And for some of us that have just struggled with the idea that you're the only way, I pray that today you'd, you'd give it, get us off the sidelines. For some of us, we need to go in and finally accept you. For some of us, we need to actually use our lives to make a difference in other people's lives. Some of us need to engage in the life of the church because it is the, the one thing that really satisfies and the only thing we get to take with us to heaven one day, God, is other people that we've impacted for you. And so for all of us today, would you inspire us, make us bold and courageous in how we can live out our faith, knowing that our days on earth are short and we need to use every day to make a difference for you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And uh, everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, next weekend, we're gonna continue our series, Big Questions. I'm gonna talk about maybe my, my favorite, favorite uh, thing we're gonna teach on throughout the series. I can't wait to see you. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend, CCV.